21. 21. Verse 5 and 6. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door, or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Please, he didn't say drill his ear and put an earring there. That would make him an Ishmaelite. And God's not in the business of creating Ishmaelites. You may be seated. I worked for a very prominent company in the city when I first came in engineering. When I went in, I got privileged position, opportunities. I was given a credential card that when I come to the gate security had to let me in. That card guaranteed me entrance. Others were delayed. I was not delayed. I could walk right in. My picture was on my credential card. At a specific number, I could go to anywhere in that place and request things. I could request computers. I could request automobiles. In fact, I traveled to the states on their behalf. I had uh, credit cards given to me to spend. I have all these privileges given to me. My office was huge and very large, bigger than my pastoral office. I had computer, I have access. I, I had men from around the world eating out of my hands because I had the power of the pen. I could agree on their commodity and the company at my recommendation would buy their commodity. I could spend money as, as needed. I could call any country in the world and get any equipment I wanted and it would be covered by the company. That's the privileges and the access I have. Now people that were not with my credentials and, and access code could not do those things. They could not exercise the pushing power I had. And they didn't have the opportunity to travel on behalf of the company like I did. You go to a hotel and you name the company and the rates would drop. <laughs> and uh, businessmen would want to take you out for lunch, you know, which they normally would not do. But buy me anything I want. Take me to any pub I want, any bars I want, give me any privilege. So, the company makes sure I could not be compromised. They let me sign an oath that I would not allow myself to be compromised by taking bribe and such like. Because I had purchasing power, spending power. Of course, I had limit given to me how much I could spend. And uh, uh, after a certain amount, I had to go to the next level up to get money. And to the next level up, I would write specifications and if they didn't meet that specification, sorry, you would not get that purchase because I would want your deal. What you're selling had to match what I wrote. So I had a lot of power. But the power was given to me only because 
I belong. Now they told me that anything you invent, anything you created, because the company of top secrets on certain pieces of equipment, they were on the edge on the neighbor next door. And so I, we, couldn't, uh, we couldn't collaborate. We couldn't talk about company secret. And we had to sign agreement that we would not do certain things. We would not talk about company uh, Again, company espionage. So I had power, lots of power, lots of dominion. In fact, the, the the apartment I was in, I could close down a segment of the plant because of the authority that I had, the authority that was given to the company by the government, and I represent the government in the company to make sure that certain codes and uh, standards were maintained. So when I walk in, they couldn't just... I didn't have to announce I'm coming. I just show up. And I could do whatever I need to do to make sure that security and safety was not compromised and, and the company's interest was taken care of. And even though the price of oil was dependent on a running plant, we could shut it down. And we write reports and we make recommendations. If they're not followed, people get fired or they get kicked, you know, in their bollocks for, for not doing the right thing. So we had power. But the day I resigned and said, I'm going to leave the company, they began the stripping. They took away my helmet, my badge, my coveralls, my boots, everything that they gave me, my signing authority, my access code. I mean, they just like they were defrocking me. I had to go to every, every essential place and clear my name struck off the list and finally when I got to the final checkout it was time to leave the plant from now on I don't have the privileges I don't have the command of authority I didn't have the dominion no more that I had I was stripped of all my significance I was no longer an employee. Didn't matter whether I was good or bad. I'm not sure what they wrote on my thing when I left. Maybe not for rehire. <laughs> my boss didn't like me. She probably wrote on there not for rehire. They never called me back. I was never as good as Brother Beaton that they called back a few times and called him to come back. They never called me back once. There was good riddance. Got rid of him. <laughs> they got rid of me. That, that was the end of the story. So I'd have to worry about being badgered to come back. They never invited me back, not even one time. They tried to get me back. You know, so they were glad to see me go for whatever reason. And I'm not going to defend my position right now. But, you know, we were gone. But at that time, I felt a nakedness. I felt naked. I felt for the first time I had no world, no power. No authority. Now, one German gentleman from a part of Germany, I won't tell you what part from, he heard I got into full-time ministry, so he came by. My wife recalled that. I was living across the building there. And he came by after seeing the plant for what he was doing. He said, i got to go see Neil. And he came by and took me for dinner. He was telling me how glad he was that I'm taking a, a better job, a better profession. 
touching the lives of people, rather touching engineering and so on. In fact, they wanted to employ me and send me to the Caribbean to represent them in Germany. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not interested in that kind of job. They wanted to uh, get me in the part of the States. Ash Company wanted to get me Ash. I said, no, 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 I'm not involved in that either. No, no, I am in the church business. But, but the point I'm trying to make here is how I lost everything when I left there. High wage, Sunday Fridays are gone. Uh, company share in their uh, opportunity share in their profit is gone. I mean, I lost a lot of privileges. I lost a lot of perks. I lost notoriety. No longer were these salesmen want to speak to me. They were no longer interested in me because I no longer had the power of purchase anymore. I was just ordinary Joe. That passed by said, I, I know you. Hey, I remember you, but bye. Hi and bye. Nobody offered me breakfast or lunch or dinner. I was no longer in the seat of authority. All because I left. In fact, they told me that I'd be back because they said, you got so used to living so high. And they called it the hog. That I can't see you, Neil, staying out there too long. You're going to come back because you were well paid. You were well looked after. And then this job. So now I'm not coming back. So the same God who gave me this job will give me the same benefits after I leave. And they waited. I've seen downtown. They asked me, are you still here? I said, yep. Still preaching? Yep. Because their worst to me when I left was, don't quit preaching. They gave me a Hebrew lexicon Bible that said, don't quit preaching. I thought, that's good advice. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to say tonight, God is good to me. But if I could title this tonight, I would title this better than before. That's my title. Better than before. Now, Church of God, if you notice, our message is always different on Sunday night than Sunday morning. And God knows the congregation that I don't know who's going to come, who's going to be here. But I want to tell you tonight, there's some reason why I'm going to preach this to you tonight. And the title doesn't betray what I want to say to you. It doesn't betray. But I will tell you later on what I want to say to you. I understand in a limited sense, the scripture. This Bible, I personally believe I could discard every other books on earth, medical, philosophical, scientific, engineering, and survive on the recipe of this book alone. I believe this Bible is the absolute authority for the maintenance of humanity. I don't believe any other book. I don't care who wrote it. Because they're all dead. They can't make good one theorem or theory or hypothesis. They came back of what they said. But this book is for man. It's for us. 
I don't care whether it's sociological, intellectual, relational, or whatever level you come on. This book is complete. Now, if I had children, I would teach them that. I would get all the books, the math book, the chemistry book, the scientific book, and say, see that? That's trash. This is facts. That's fiction. That's theorem. Hypothesis. And I know I'm talking about I've been to college. That's just man's law. This is God's word. And the absolute preeminence of scripture is that the one who wrote this book said all flesh shall die. And no scientific expert, amen, have reversed that. Your prime minister is going to die. Churchill is dead. Kennedy's dead. Darwin is dead. They all die. Only one lived forever. The one who wrote this book. I'm going to use Wayne Huntley. Wayne Huntley took me aside. I'm glad I get to meet him. He won't mind me telling you this. Wayne Huntley said, I've never worked a job in my life. I got saved in Sunday school. And the only life I know is working for God. And he said, this guy took me on his wing and mentored me. Jack Jones. And gave me opportunities to preach and preach places that I was almost hated by people. And he told them, stop using me. <laughs> people don't like me because of what you're doing. But the man saw a future. And all he knew, he said, my daddy was a drunk. He'll tell you all the time. My dad was a drunk. My mom raised us. And he said, look, when I first start ministering, he says, I made up in my mind that I'm going to, every day of my life, give God a full eight hour ministering to my community and city from eight to six or eight to eight, putting in time, knocking doors, teaching Bible study, and come home like everybody who went to an office with a slide rule or a calculator. I put in the same time. And by the way, church, the oxygen consumption is the same. The time usage is the same. Everything was the same, just different masters. And church, I can't tell you, that man lived on a level that many CEO has not lived. And I could tell you many heroes that you don't know, like James Kilgore. I could tell you many great, great men that you've never met that lived for God. And <laughs> they don't know what it is to push a broom. They don't know what it is to bake bread. And they rise to levels of meaning dignitaries around the world through world evangelism. Meaning kings and emperors. Great military minds around the world. And never been to college one time. 
never have a certificate of their wall like I have. Just don't have one. Don't have the things that we have and look to those great things. And was never unemployed because the, the need for soul evangelism is always greater than the field can supply. And I, I begin to stop and look. And as I get in the faith, I'm looking around and look at men and women that live for God and work for God. I notice a tremendous leverage that would never happen to them if they were not on the roll of yonder. I thought about it. Amen. And I realized everywhere I've been, like I told you I was in Houston, and when I walked in this church, and yet that place came through a storm. And what they did was, even without the world financial assistance, God did it. That all the praises would belong to him. And none of us. Hallelujah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I got guy in McMurray, good PhD, driving taxis. I get them all the time. I get medical doctors driving to the airport. I'm not kidding you. Chemist. And don't you also think I'll come from far and field from right here. In fact, some are in debt. Deep debt for what they have received from colleges and education. And they can never live long enough to pay back what they owe. Because the economy is not supportive of them. Some commit suicide. Some turn to crime. And some turn to all kind of lifestyle. But somehow, the scripture Zachary put over there, I thought, I should write that down. I'm not sure if you guys were noticing the scripture. God said, I make and I give. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. Abraham did not have a college degree, a PhD, a Bachelor of Science, a Master of Science. Now, I'm not putting those things down. I believe in them. I practice them. I got some of them. Hello? But I'm trying to show you there's no man on earth greater than Abraham. Abraham is even greater than Moses. Because Moses is not the father of all the earth. Abraham is. Hallelujah. Now church, hear me please. Hear me. I work with professors. I, I talk with them. And I hear their dilemmas. I see their drinking style. All they drank. To drown their sorrow. When I was in church. And, and in the, the teaching world. And the lecture world. And working with them. And they would come to me as a padre. You'd be surprised. They're the same problem the guy on Skid Row has. The same crisis. That the unintelligent has. Which confirm what Ecclesiastes says. It make no difference. The worm eat us the same. 
whether you've got it or don't have it. Because the world don't care what's on your wall. He's just concerned what's on the bone. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, you're still going to be six foot down. The depth of the ground doesn't matter how much you own up top. You're still going to the same level. Amen. I'm going to teach something to you tonight that's going to blow your stack. And you've got to ask yourself the question. Where I'm at, is it better than before? Is it better than before? Now, when I was at the plant working, I'm not bragging, but I got invitation to the interpretive center. I couldn't go because I was working. I didn't have the clout to go. I was too. My boss probably wouldn't let me go. I didn't ask him anyhow. But the uh, the the executive uh, minister of the plant, Amen, said invite to me because I was in the ministry. Didn't get to go to that. I missed opportunity there. Reagan, when he was in the White House, sent to our ministries uh, uh, a letter that we could come to the White House to talk to him. I got a letter also. I didn't get to go because I, I missed opportunities. I did. But at the same time, here I was in an unknown region, and yet God makes you well known. Where it matter the most. Where it really matter the most. Amen. And, and, so, and so I'm going to tell you why I believe what I'm going to teach you right tonight. I want you to take your calendar right now and put down the pastor that says, pay attention to this coming three years. Life on earth is going to be changed. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. But I believe in the year 2000. In 18, our world will not be the same as it is today. He said, Pastor, you last, that's a gift. Everybody knows that. Really? And I'm going to tell you, based on scripture like Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Daniel 9, 10, 11 and 12, Psalms 83, Zechariah 14, Zechariah 13, Matthew 24, 2 Thessalonians 2, huh? 2 Peter chapter 3, do I need to go on? Revelation chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, hello? Ezekiel 37, 38, 39, I can tell you these are reasons why I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you tonight. I need to have a reason to stay where I'm at. And not to go where I don't belong. Amen. The news don't mean a lot to other people, but to us it does. Something is happening. The Bible said David had some men with him that were in distress, discontent, and discouraged. Three to four hundred men, and in meeting David, he mentored them 
and they became mighty men of God. While they were becoming mighty men of God, the Bible says Ziklag was invaded. He lost his family, everything he owned, because the Amalekites had come and destroyed, but God made sure he didn't kill anybody. And so they took them and they were dancing and carrying on. And just so happened, David men found a guy in the field that was abandoned because he was sick with infirmities. And it was never time you need your masters when you're sick. His masters abandoned him, left him to die because he was of no further benefit to him. That's the world for you. And so he left him to die, and David men just happened to pass by and saw this guy out there, this Egyptian guy, ready to die, picked him up, fed him, nurtured him back to life, and took him to David. And I said, who are you? He says, I am an Egyptian. I was with the Amalekites. We just invaded a, a place and took a bunch of spoil. I got sick, and they dumped me and left me to die. And he said, oh, who are these men? They found out that these men were the men that took his family. And the men begged him three things. And one of the things he asked was, Whatever you do, do not send me back from whence I came. What you have just done to me is better than was ever done to me before. And please do not Send me back. I do not want to go back. And I'll tell you everything you want to know, but I'm not going back. Would you please promise me that? So David promised him he would not, and they recovered everything he lost. But the point I'm trying to make here is you must tell the difference between the two masters that had your life. The one before and the one you have right now. You got to make up your mind and be honest and be objective about are things better now than they were before? Am I in a better place than I used to be? What I had was good, but now where I'm at is even better. What I used to know was price and wonderful, but this is priceless. I have raced to another level I didn't know existed. Can you admit that? That you are in a better place than where you started out. Can you admit that you got greater knowledge than the one you possessed before? You've got to be honest. You've got to be honest. Used to be a girl in our church. She bucked every standard we had. Fought it, fought all the way. And just, I mean, I, I love the precious girl. Had a good husband. But you know, she just didn't like And wherever she came from was good. But God always takes from good to better to best. And if God wants to take it to best, don't stay at good. I said, if God wants to give you greater light, take it. You want to stay in partial blindness, that's your problem. But if God wants to give a 20 20 vision, take it. And say, This is better 
than before. I want to tell you right, my friend, I found Jesus better than they told me. The story was not half being told how great this God is. I came in my fear. Now I stay in my faith. He would have had opportunity to leave, but chose not to. And church, I want to talk to you. 2018, for me, has a lot of significance. You know why? Israel is back in her homeland. Israel is a nation. The Hebrew language is being recovered, being spoken. Around the world, Jews are going back home. Nations are against her. Hello? Hello? The same-sex industry is thriving. There's war and rumors of war and peace. Treaties are being signed but not being lived up to. And in that environment, I'm called upon to make a choice. Is this the time to leave Jesus? Or is this the time to cleave to Jesus? Is this the time to slacken the knot or tighten it? Is this the time to follow a fall off or pull nigh to him? I sat down beside several ministers and pastors. And the Lord's Church in New York said, I, I brought all my young people up on the platform. Probably got the largest church in New York. Uh, he said, I spread across the altar. He said, Family, my prayer is for you because your kids got to live with what I don't have to live with. I said, You did that? He says, Yes, I did. I said, I told my church the same thing. I'm concerned what these newborn babies got to face. They have to face ill-favored information. That's not right. To when God comes and says, from the smallest to the greatest, do the same thing. Think about it. This story is about an opportunity to leave. Now, he said, if a Hebrew servant is sold into slavery... He will get opportunity to get out if he wants to. And the two opportunities, one is seven years and one is 70 years. Two great opportunities to go free if you want to. He either decided to leave or to cleave with the person that bought him. Now if somebody bought you, then it means you got some kind of worth. Before you were purchased, you didn't know what your worth was. But when you got purchased, you know you got a worth value to you. Otherwise, they wouldn't bought you. They left you right like a rotten tomato on the stand. But you're bought. So it's to leave or cleave. If you stay with your master, you can live like a king's sons and daughters. You can roam the entire premises. You can keep everything that's given to you. Amen. And all will be provided for you. You'll be lacking in nothing. It's not your job to worry what you're going to eat or drink or sleep or put on because your master is going to take care of all that. The mere fact you're purchased 
and you belong to the master. Amen. You're bought with a price. You're worth something. You've been chosen by the buyer. And now you belong. And now seven years come, or the years roll by, and you're brought to the doorpost. The master says, I'm giving the opportunity to leave if you wish. Amen. <laughs> I want to tell you, friend, that girl chose a choice that today make her do everything she wanted to do. But she forgot one thing. She hasn't come to the ticket counter. I can go into a store and pick up anything I want to. But you have to come out through the checkout counter. Hello. You're trying to leave with, without paying, then I arrest you. <laughs> Amen. I don't even like her. My wife tried clothes on. I follow her around. Just in case she make a mistake and carry one out by mistake. Because once they start arresting a friend, I got no power to help her. Is that right? That's right. Amen. I got pretty, pretty paranoid about this thing here. And so one preacher came by and preached and says, it's amazing. You start preaching. That's why you go to have evangelists. God will hold you to the higher standard that will be man revealed to you. Amen. To whom much is given, much is required. Hello. I cannot compare myself with Jack if Jack don't have the opportunity I have. You may think Jack's getting off. No, Jack don't have a revelation. And God said, I'll be merciful to his righteousness. Now, I want to tell you, church, if the servant leave, what it, here's what it means. If you leave, you must go out empty. You take nothing out, only what you brought in. You go out on your own. You're responsible for your own supply, your own provision, your own needs. And your own safety. When you leave the master, you will be stripped of all privileges and all ties to his abundance. Hello. So the choices at the gate is, do I go or do I stay? What do I do? Do I go or do I stay? If I go, I got to leave it all behind. And if I stay, I keep it all. Church, this is not the time to give up on Jesus. This is not the time to let go. We have opportunity to go back. But we say, no, this is better than before. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Hallelujah. It's better than before. I had a choice to go or to stay, but I choose to stay. Amen. The servant, as long as I am a servant, all will be provided. All needs will be met. Praise God. My shelter will be guaranteed. My meals is guaranteed. My clothes will be there. My need will be supplied. Everything will be taken care of. 
because I am a servant and the servant responsibility is not to worry about what he's going to wear or put on. It's the master's job. My job as a servant, the only obligation I have is to carry out his will. Let's worship God. As long as I'm a servant, my needs will be provided. This scripture always bothered me. Jesus said to his disciples, Boys, when you were with me, did you need a script? No, Lord. Did you need special clothing? No, Lord. New sandals? No, Lord. Food? No, Lord. He said, Now you're going to need it. Go buy it. Get a sword. What he's saying is, You're going to walk it on me. And when you walk it on me, you won't have those things anymore. And they did walk out on him. And they couldn't even catch not even one fish. And when they saw them, they were naked. What was the difference? Jesus was no longer in their midst. He was not in their boat. He was not in their heart. And they were without shelter, meal, clothing, and supply. Think about it. I'm thinking about Israel in the wilderness. As they marched, everything was supplied, Psalm 78. But when they went in that land and began to sin against God, nothing but famine. Amen. They lived better in the wilderness than they live in the promised land. Because in the wilderness, all they had was just Jehovah God. As long as he was their God, their shoe didn't get tattered. Their clothing didn't get tattered. Amen. Their clothing didn't wear away. Everything was all right. But in the promised land, they suffered so badly. They practiced cannibalism. And the difference was they did not have the true God. Mm. I thought about it now. The cost of reverting back is so high. It's not even worth the thought. <laughs> I've never seen anybody come and live for Christ in this church that was not blessed financially, socially, relation-wise, shelter-wise, clothing-wise, need supply on every level. If they stay long enough, I promise you, things change. Everything improved. Oh, they got trials and tribulation. That's what he said. You get houses and land and family and friends, but with tribulation, you get all those things. They come with the program. The boy told you tonight, he come with the program. It's a part of it. But say you get all of the blessing, amen. But church, I want to tell you, my friend, when the blessing outweigh the problems, the good times outweigh the bad times. So this is not the time to go out. It's time to stay in. Praise God. Now, when you promise to leave and, plan, and you plan to leave, what is involved in leaving the master? He took this person to the door and said, Now, well, there's a chance you can go, you can stay. You know, Christianity is not something you're compelled to do. Nobody's compelled to be a Christian. The door swing at the airport, it's swinging this way. It's swinging in and swinging right out. It's up to you to get out of walking there pretty quick. Oh, well, it's quickly pushing you back out. Is that right? 
that door of Jesus Christ. Amen. Every person who is in Christ and successfully lived for God, they chose to stay. Because he said, will you go also? And I said, no, we won't. I said, no, we won't. When I leave, if I leave, I am going outside of the city of refuge. The walls of protection. If I leave, it's like leaving the sheepfold where there is no shepherd and there is no porter. If I leave, it's like walking away from the source of my only blessing. To whom else can we go? Where else can I go? We got other guys who leave UPCI and they all regret today they left. They found out the grass is not as green as it was. They found out that where they went does not uphold the same biblical position and standard that they become grown so familiar and used to. Things become so common to Israel that a miracle no longer looks like a miracle. It becomes so commonplace. It's like speaking in tongues. We take speaking in tongues for granted and you can't even learn a language for five years if I allow you to. And yet in five seconds you can be speaking in German. Different languages. Amen. And feel good about it. Not feel paranoid. But if I leave, it's like giving up my future for uncertainty. No guarantee. No leverage. No opportunity. I choose not to leave because things are better than before. That's why some people live for God, some don't. Some never come to that realization that where I am is better than where I was. What I have now is better than what I had. They never could see the comparison. Everything is all blurred. They left and Give up opportunity for promotion. They threw away all that was given to them in the hand of God. And they turned back on the promises and the promotion and the property that God would have given to them. They walk out on the edge of protection. The serpent bites them. You know, the Bible says, if you break the edge down, the devil is going to bite you. Amen. And so they step out in the dark. And forsook the light in an unknown world. And I asked the question, church, is it better out there than in here? The servant has to ask himself the question. I spent seven years under your guardianship. And now at the end of seven years, I must choose. Do I go back what I used to do before those seven years? Or do I continue on? What should I do? Church, it was a difficult decision for somebody who's double-minded. But when the man looked at his family, he said, I came in here single. Now I got a wife and children. I came here, I'm, I'm homeless. Now I got a home. I came here, I'm unemployed. Now I'm gainfully employed. I came here, I had no money. Now I got money. Hallelujah. I came here with a record. Now I'm a free man. Lord Jesus. Can I go on? My God, things are better now than they were before. I'm not going out. I'm staying right here. This is where I found my treasure. This 
is where I found the pearl of great price. This is where I own my own house. This is where I own my own car, my own job, my own possession. I never had it so good in all my life. I just can't go back to that weak, beggarly element. I can't walk into my hands. I can't step out in the dark into the unknown world. I'm not going to reverse what God has put in forward drive. Hallelujah. I came from an unprofitable life. He said, don't send me back. Please. I'd rather death than to go back. I'm not going back. You see, he knows if he leaves, he'll start all over again. I learned from school that years I lost by dropping the school, I can never regain it. Because the time I spent trying to regain it is still opportunity lost. Opportunity lost is like the cloud pass you by and never returns. You can't gather up opportunity lost. It's like the wind that blows past. Hallelujah. I want to ask you guys some questions here tonight. You don't have to answer me. Have you ever stopped to think about how much money passed through your hand in 12 months? Have you ever stopped to think about how many millions you've handled in a short time? And still, you have the creditor at your gate. That's what this man had to think about. The Pharisees tried to revile that man and tear him up and rip him up and try to get him to you know, disregard Jesus. But say, look, well, I don't know if Jesus Christ is a crook or not. <laughs> I don't know if Jesus Christ is a sinner or not. But one thing I know, I'm better off than before. You can argue your religion if you want to, but I know I was blind before I met him. But after I met him, I'm better off than before. <laughs> the woman is your blood, I spent all and get nothing. I'm better off now than I was before. Come on, somebody. The lame man says, I'm better off now than I was before. Church, there's something that holds me to the master. I am connected to him. I don't want to be free. I'm a prisoner of love. I'm a love slave. I choose to stay with him. I'm not going to reverse what he's accomplished in my life. I'm not prepared at age 60 plus to start over again. I'm too near my heavenly home. Too near, Lord, to turn back now. 
I've made my choice for heaven. And I've made my choice. Can somebody hear me? I can see the view from the mountain. It won't be long. I'm trying to tell church, it's not the time to start over. Amen. It's time to love your master. It's not the time to lose him. It's time to love him. Embrace him. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, it's going to shock you tonight. Joseph had nothing to gain to go back where he came from. Go on back if you want to. <laughs> Peter's starting all over again in the life of misery. The Lord says, all that I gave you, the man says in this situation, you cannot take it with you. All the blessings, the wife I gave her, the children, they're not yours. You just had them loan to you. You were never the owner. You know, it's amazing. Here's Abraham with all the riches of, I mean, Elijah, all the riches of Abraham, hanging it on Rebecca as if he owns it. Which not his. Hello? When I went to the place to work, when I came to the city unemployed, I must confess to you, I finished school and graduated, but they didn't offer me the job up here. Now I knew what I wanted, but I must confess without lying, the job I ended up with, God gave it to me. The house I live in three times, God gave it to me. Three times on three separate occasions, God make it happen. Beyond my financial security, beyond my ability, it only happened because he said the servant is worthy of his hire. You can't find a better paid person than Jesus Christ. Pressed down, shaken down, running over, you will never replace him. You will never step in opportunity like he promised you and like he gave you. You got to realize this master is not like other master. When you're sick, he don't abandon you. Ah, come on now. When you make messed up, he don't leave you abandoned. No, church. Uh, there's something about this master. You said, I love him. Because he first loved me and purchased my salvation at Calvary. There's got to be a revelation that all that you have came from him. He gave you the house. He gave you the job. He gave you the money. He gave you the family. He gave you the health. He gave you the wealth. He gave you the truth. Everything you got and you put on belonged to him. And when you leave this world, you can't take nothing out. Nebuchadnezzar, proud of the devil walking. Look at my kingdom and I built. 
Just a minute. Read a few chapters over. I gave it to him when I called him my servant. Before God can bless you, you have to become his servant. If you're not his servant, he has no obligation to you. If you bring a nanny amen, from overseas and you call yourself a boss, you've got responsibility for their medical. You've got responsibility for their housing, for their wages, for everything that happened to them. And if God brought you into the family of God, he had responsibility for your social, spiritual, economical, physiological, biological living. God knows what you have need. And church, are things better than before? That young guy said, don't send me back. Hallelujah. Don't send me back. Mephibosheth says, don't send me back to my haunted past. David chose me when I felt like a dead dog and told me I can sit at this table. Hallelujah. Why do I want to leave God's table and go to the devil's table? Why would I want to leave God's cup and go to the devil's cup? You tell me, church. Young boys and girls, let me tell you, as long as you're in this church, your body's free of drugs. The day you leave them, you're a pack of all kind of drugs out there. You'd be in skid row. You'd be a dead duck. I say you'd be perverted. You'd be destroyed. You'd be gone. You'd be painting yourself up. You'd be talking trash and living in the gutter. Amen. There'd be nothing good about your life, girls. You'd have unwanted pregnancy. Never mind disease and all that stuff. But you're in Christ. You've got an edge. Life is a whole lot better. Live for God. Being in a church where boundaries are set. Living in a church where standards are raised. Living in a church where the trumpet is blown. Living in a church where the man of God can see 2020 vision. Living in a church where the source springs on every side and keep the wolf out of the pen of the goats. Come on, church! And the goats out. Ruth. Ruth, what do you say, Ruth? Entreat me not to leave. I have not seen anybody left this church and live better. They all stepped down in dress code, moral code, spiritual abode, lifestyle. Because there's a prophet out there that give them what they want. But this master, I'm going to give you what you need. Before I close, how much would Ruth lose if she go back to Moab? <laughs> the response with Ruth is, I like it 
here. Oh, I talked to pastor's friends. I said, okay, Neil, Neil, I know you, you don't like these version Bible, but, you know, it explains things even clearer. For me, church, it says the Holy Ghost shall lead me in all truth. Didn't say a revised version. I don't care if the prophets put their color backwards. I don't care if they got 10,000 people. Jim Jones had 1,000 and fed them Kool-Aid. Fed them Kool-Aid. But what was he doing? He was promiscuous. And even when that wicked man told me he's God, they believe it. And took the credit that belongs to God. And the last thing he did was throw the Bible down. <coughs> Some guy don't throw the Bible down, but they got the wrong information. My asking to you today is life better now than before. You may not like the medicine. But we can put a little sugar to it so you can swallow it. Hello? It's your time and my time in these times like these to decide in the valley of decision. Praise God. Hallelujah. They had to decide, do I leave the master's house or do I to it. I know Billy Graham says, go to the church of your choice. I say, if you do it, you're a fool. You're a fool. That's not what God told Saul. Go down to a place called what? Straight. And you'll find a straight message. Go down to where? And told the guy, go to Joppa. And you will be told what to do. Go in the desert. <laughs> and you'll be told what to do. I want to tell you folks. You go to a church, young people. That don't care how you dress. How you paint your body up? How you drill yourself? How you put all these ornaments of the devil? They are not watching for your soul. All they like is your gimmicks. But not interested in what you stand before God. Hallelujah. My question is, leave or cleave? It says, Demas, love this present world. But on the flip side, Onesimus chose the world to come. Mm. Nicholas, choose the pleasure of sin. For a season. And brought to the Nicotian doctrine. But the Bible said. Titus. 
and Antipas. Hallelujah. Chose the pleasure forevermore. Judas chose the treasures on earth. Silver and gold. Which the apostle said, I don't have any at all. But such as I have that give unto thee, they chose heaven. Michael, God gave you a car. It's not to go to cabarets with it. It's not for you to take young people to other bars or the nightclub. It happened in this church. I've seen it happen at midnight. Young boys from this church take their cars and were chaperoning young kids back and forth. Amen. To nightclubs. And they wouldn't bring one to church. You ever stop and think about how their life ended? Where they ended up? And of course they find churches that embrace them. But not in this church. I'm not concerned about numbers. I never was. If I did, I would not be here still. I'm a witness. Praise God. I do not judge the seed by the harvest. Amen. I take the seed and judge the harvest. Praise the Lord. Because when it's all over, it's Diotrophes or Demetrius. Diotrophes love the praise of men and the preeminence of men. But Demetrius had a good report. Would you stand? He said, now, are you going to leave? Hey, young boys, let me tell you something here. The high teens is the age when boys and girls want to leave church. Because that's when you are the most handsome boys, and girls is when you're the prettiest. And the reason why you got the prettiest look and the handsomest look is to prepare you for marriage. Hallelujah. And then the world see your refinery. I've seen a girl, she hated me for guts to this day. Beautified, walking the church, penniless, poor as could be. God blessed her, educated her, immensely popularized her. You become attractive when God starts decorating you. When God stop blessing you and giving you all the beauty of salvation instead of Jezebel Inc. and Ishmael hanging on. See, I got back what I'm teaching. God don't want Ishmaelite church. These are people that are here is bored, drilled. Hallelujah. God don't want Revelation 17 women in the church or men in the church. And for this old boy, she quit church. And for a while, it looks good. But today, they're not together. And it beat the life out of her, too. That's only one of many such stories. The devil is asking you church in McMurray are you going to join religion in this city the mark of the beast will always in competition with the mark of Christ 
Whose mark will you take? The Bible said, take that servant. Come here, Zachary, come here. He said, Zachary, for seven years you've been around here. Shut up up here. Now you come of age to make a decision. And you have to make a decision. Compromise or be committed. Come on. Will you go or will you stay? Will you go down to Egypt? Or will you go up to Bethel where the house of God is? And he got to say something. Then he told the master, I, oh, Master, I love you and I'm sick. You healed me when I have all the need. He said, no, no, no. I want some weakness. You take him to the judge of that city. Hello? And took him to a post. And said, I'm going to ask you one more time. Will you go or will you stay? He has got to think about now where he came from before he got him. And all those seven years since he had him. Folks ask me, you're still going to that church? What are they asking me? What are they asking me? You mean you're still going there? Hello. He said, well, I, I, I love my master. <laughs> you got to think very quickly. I love my master. When I'm sick. Oh, by the way, if you go, you can't take your wife with you. Nor your kids. You came without them. You got them here. I gave her to you. I gave you those kids. The clothes you have on, you can't wear that. That's, that's mine. I want it back. I want those shoes back. You're going to go up just like you came in. So you choose. But if you stay, I want to put ownership on you. And so the Bible says, they got his ear. He said, well, I love my master. I'm not going out. He went, and drill a hole of ownership. Now he's marked for life. This is a lifelong journey. So you know what? He closed the door on the outside and stepped back in and enjoyed the blessing of the Lord, make it rich, and add no sorrow. But if he wanted to, he wouldn't have to get that mark. He could have leave. Everybody who leave this church lose their identity of holiness. They're dread. Come on, you know it's true. They revert back to what they came from. If they were mindful of where they came from, they would have an opportunity to return. Go back to where he came from. The drugist back to drug. The prostitute back to prostitution. The liar back to lying and cheating. Whatever you left before, you go right back to it. The life you lead before. Would you bow your heads tonight? There's a seal given around these days. We're sealed with the mark of the beast or the mark of the lamb, Christ. There's the mark of sin, 666, or the mark of Jesus Christ, the inkhorn. Anybody here in love? I can't tell you tonight that I'm very spiritual, but I know it's better now than before. You know what? I got my wife in church. I got my house in church.
I got my job in church. I got my car in church. Everything I was in church. I travel in church. I get invited out because I'm in church. Before that, that's not how it was. My education had nothing to do with it. I'm living better than those who had colleges more than I have. PhD and DVD and TV and MSG and MGM. Hello. God said, and all these things shall be added on. A lot of add-ons. Church, I want to ask you tonight. I'm not worried about the crowd. Please, please. I can never lose preaching what I'm preaching. Because either I'm a witness for God or a winner for Christ. Who is God talking to tonight? Do you know what God gave you? Church, forget about the world for a while. How about you that recognize God's being good to you? Same key. My God is good to me. So very good to me. All you kids that travel to Asia and Europe, you know how blessed you are? You despise church? That's how you got it. Spirit came to me. God means 